Thank you for joining me in this live broadcast today. I know you're going to be blessed and impacted. I'm so glad for the new year that has started. You know, during the holidays, we rest and everything. But, you know, this morning as we were getting ready to preach the word, I realized that I've been longing to broadcast a Sunday message again, just to share the gospel of grace. You know, we've been created to, um, to have a relationship with God and to naturally function the way God functioned. That, that is to share this message and to share the love of God, to function by what is inside us. I want to welcome all the first-time viewers to this broadcast. May you be blessed today. And to all those faithful viewers that uh, slot in and can't but slot in on Sundays, to hear this message of grace, you are more than welcome. I believe that 2009 is going to be a wonderful year, a year where the gospel of Jesus Christ will be spread um, further over the earth. And today we're going to speak a little bit about the prophetic and what the prophetic is all about and the New Testament prophet and what the New Testament prophet is. You know, so many times we don't have an idea of what the New Testament prophet is and, and we start to think of the prophetic as, as something very weird and um, you know like vague and we're not sure and and funny and people are scared of prophets and that's not supposed to be so the the prophetic is a gift something something that Jesus Christ has given a prophet is a gift unto the body of Christ to help us understand the gospel of grace you must realize the whole fivefold ministry from the apostle to the teachers all about the gospel of grace including the prophet the prophet isn't something that stands outside of the message of the gospel of grace. It stays with the gospel of grace. Today we're also going to look a little bit about, a little bit into hope and what hope is. And I will still make an in-depth study of that, and, and uh, uh, or I will minister the in-depth study that I've made about hope uh, to you guys sometime. But we're just going to touch a little bit about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means and um, what we can expect for this year to come. Man, that's awesome. We've had a wonderful holiday. We've been blessed. Um, I'm excited about this year to come. I believe that Grace Stream Television is going to make an impact all over the world and uh, I believe that you're going to be impacted more and more by the message of God's love. The wonderful thing about Grace is once you've heard Grace, you don't need to be pampered all day long. <clears throat> the wonderful thing about grace and the gospel is, is that it's got its own momentum. Once you got a hold of it and the life of God is born into your life, um, it's all over. You are part of a system that um, has got its own energy and its own life. You'll just find wherever you are, you will find there the gospel will grow. And it's like we were, we were planting grass here in our, um, uh, in our yard and... Uh, you know, you can take a small piece of grass and plant it somewhere and there's no other grass close to it. But two weeks from now, you'll see this grass there growing. And a month, in a month you'll see, but there's a big patch there. Even if it's alone, you'll find there where it is, it produces life. And that's what I've seen with the gospel of grace. It makes ministry easy. It makes, um, it, it, it makes the Christian life wonderful because it carries its own power and its own momentum. It's not dependent upon a man, it's not dependent upon the charisma of a man, it's all about the truth and about Jesus and what He has done for us. Hallelujah. Let us just pray together before um, we, we go into the worship and before we go into the Word of God. Father, I want to thank You for everybody that's watching. I thank You for everybody that is slotted in. I know they will be blessed and encouraged in this message. I thank You, Father, 
that your gospel of love, your gospel of grace will touch the lives of so many people today. I thank you that your power will flow into the lives of people through this word because that is what you do. And I'm not asking you to do it, but I thank you that that is what is happening today as we minister your word. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are more passionate about reaching people than what any man has ever been. For your number one vision is to see your precious possession being saved and redeemed from death and condemnation. Thank you for that, my God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to go over to the worship right now, and then we're going to get right into the word concerning the prophetic. Just enjoy this worship. Well, isn't God a great God? If we just sing that worship song, you know, how great is our God. Every time we sing that, I just feel this awesome presence of the Lord because we are just conscious of His presence that is already with us. We don't worship it down. It's just a consciousness of what has already happened and who is within us. Now, I want to speak a little bit about healing. <coughs> I want to read a scripture from Mark chapter 15 or chapter 16 from verse 15. You know, it's very important to know that the, that God has given gifts unto men and that is also to see the, the supernatural, the power of God manifest in the lives of people. You know, God has given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was given to us for a certain reason and that is to manifest the kingdom that is to come even in this world right now, in the lives of people. Um, you know, so many times people get it mixed up on, on, and people confuse the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, man being anointed to preach the gospel, is not the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should know that, and we should be conscious of that. But I don't want to elaborate on that. I will do that a little bit later. <coughs> but what I want to say is that God has poured out His Holy Spirit for a purpose. And the reason why He's poured out His Holy Spirit is for us, so that we can go and preach the gospel. He says, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. And what happened is the Spirit was poured out upon flesh and that flesh now has the ability to manifest the kingdom that they are preaching that is to come at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and to manifest um, the kingdom that is to come of which we have the Holy Spirit as a down payment already inside our hearts knowing for sure that we will have that resurrected glorified body. Um, as our spirits are saved, our minds um, uh, receive salvation and our bodies will be saved we know for sure that we are part of that kingdom that the Holy Spirit indwells us Christ the anointing indwells us um, and we have got that power to bring healing to the sick so I want to just uh, share a little bit with you concerning the healing of the sick and the power that God has given us and then pray for the sick maybe you sit there and you've got a you've started 2009 with a cold or you've got a back problem a hip problem, a knee problem whatever problem you've got God is there to heal you. God is there to bring salvation to you concerning that sickness. And that is also a manifestation of the kingdom to come. And you can have victory and has been given victory over sickness. And that is what, what the Bible says in, um, in, in, in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Oh, I'm not going to read it now. It's where Jesus said, And He gave to His apostles a, a power over demons and sickness and disease. And they went about and they casted out devils and they healed the sick. Preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. So I want to say the same, uh, same to you today. We want to just minister this healing to you. And forget about anything that I still want to preach or what has happened in the last um, year. or Forget those things. And I have one focus today is that God loves me 
and he has already brought healing for me upon the cross and he has permitted that to happen in this world right now and in the lives of, of people we can cast out that sickness and speak the kingdom of God and then the kingdom of God has come into that person when he receives his healing in that area Amen Right I want to read Mark 15, Mark 16 from verse 15 and he said unto them Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature He that believes and is baptized shall be saved Now that is, that is such an, an awesome uh, uh, thing You know so many times there's so many arguments about Who is saved and who is not saved The Bible clearly says He that believes and is baptized shall be saved But he that believes not shall, not, um, shall be damned So it speaks about faith and, and belief and all those type of things And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils, and they, um, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, isn't that awesome? It says here that the believers, those that have rested their minds in the goodness of God, shall lay their hands on the sick, and they will Recover. Now what it says is, that it says is that they possess the ability because of the Holy Spirit that came upon them to manifest the, the, the power of God in the area of sickness so that the church and the people in the church and people that we preach the gospel to can experience that kingdom and be healed. It is not for you to be sick all the time. It is not for you to have pain all the time. Now I want to just encourage those that has, that has heard this, um, th- this message of healing so many times and you've trusted to be healed and you've never been healed. Um, you still struggle with that sickness. You still struggle with that, with that problem and it might be a big thing in your life. It might be become something that's becoming bigger than the salvation plan because why is God not healing me? Don't let the very thing, um, don't let the freedom that God, Christ has died for you to have become a stumbling block to you uh, you know so many times we, we cannot explain why certain people get healed and why others don't get healed there are many reasons that the Bible mentions there are reasons that it says um, oh you of little faith you know or why did you doubt all those type of things you know but we can't say that's the only reason um, so I don't want you to walk in condemnation all that you do is you continue to believe the truth and so many times we believe the truth in order to receive something and if we don't receive it then we want to deny the truth like I said so many times especially in South Africa you know when the new South Africa um, came and the old apartheid system was done away with then people had rights to, um, to houses and rights to many things you know and, and, and they didn't want to live in shacks because there was a promise made to them that they're going to have this, uh, their, their own house and they're not going to live in these tin houses anymore and um, you know, and Nelson Mandela became president and everybody believed that he's the president and what he promised is true. Now, um, you know, you can't say, be, be, I mean, the, the people that are still waiting for their houses today, and this is 10 years later, longer than 10 years later, you know, they, they are still waiting for their houses. They haven't received them because it's millions of houses that must be built. And um, for a person to say, well, I, I can't uh, believe the truth that Nelson Mandela was president you know, because I haven't received my house, will be foolish. He will be the one that's in the wrong. So, we don't believe something concerning healing because um, for it to manifest. We believe it because we are persuaded through the scriptures 
and the Holy Spirit that it is the truth. And even if you don't get healed in this, in, in, in this time, you know, you might be somebody that your legs has been amputated. You know, and you don't, you don't see, uh, I mean, I, I don't know of many people that received healing of that. Um, although I've heard stories, but I, I've never seen it in my life. Although I've seen cancer being healed and deafness and blindness and those type of things, I've never seen something like that. But I can assure you that that person in heaven will have legs and in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ on this planet, he will have new legs and he will walk around and about as he is supposed to walk around. So we can't deny the truth because we are struggling to see the manifestation of it. So we rest our minds in that truth and we believe that truth because that is what the Word of God declares and that's what Jesus Christ brought for us. The Bible clearly says that by his stripes you, are, uh, you were healed. And he brought that healing not just for the sick that he healed on the earth, but also for those afterwards. And we can clearly see that as the apostles went around and they healed people. Paul laid upon a dead man and he was raised. Peter raised the man that was crippled. So I mean, we, we see those miracles. So I want to say to you that those that believe they have received power to lay their hands upon the sick and to see them recover. Now, Jesus also said clearly that um, in Luke, he said that clearly. He says, don't go and preach unless you've received power from on high. So, go and wait in the upper room until you've received power to go and share that gospel. So, the, the whole vision of God with the sharing of the gospel is, to be, is, is for it to be accompanied with the manifestation and the proof of the kingdom that is to come at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you might uh, differ from me saying, but after you know, the kingdom has already come. The kingdom has already come in the sense of you receiving a new birth coming into your heart. But the kingdom is not manifested in this world, in every atom of, of, of this, this physical planet, because in this planet you will still find unrighteousness. You will still find sin. You will still find unbelief. You will still find all those type of things. But there will come a time when there is an end to that. But we have received the ability to manifest the spiritual, to manifest the kingdom to come. And we want to do that for you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And by my faith and the faith that Jesus... Now, I want to say by my faith. I don't want to sound proud or arrogant, but I want you to say, I relax. I'm not going to try to believe hard. You know, so many times the very thing that keeps us out of receiving that miracle is our unbelief concerning the supernatural and because we are under the law when it comes to faith and we feel condemned and we, 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 we're more worried about do I believe hard enough? Do I have the right type of faith? And all those type of things. So I want to just say this. I want you to relax. You know, and I'll pray for you. I will pray for you. And, and uh, Helena and I, uh, here in the studio, we will just be in agreement and... Um, we, I will just speak from, from the perspective of the glory of God that is within me. And I know in the Spirit there is no distance. In other words, wherever you are in front of your computer right now, I am there with you in the Holy Spirit. So, it means that the Spirit of God that is in you is the same Spirit of God that is in me. And there is only one Spirit. So, if the same Spirit that is in you is in me, I believe that um, takes distance and place and time and all those type of things out of the way. 
so that when I lay my hands on you, when I, when I pray for you right now, I believe it doesn't go through the camera, through the airwaves, all that nonsense. No, no, it is just in the Spirit we are together, and I lay my hands on you, or I speak the Word of God. It's like with, with Jesus, the centurion said to Jesus, Jesus, just speak the Word. And this man, this servant of mine will be healed. You don't have to come. Just speak the word. It will happen. In the same way, we will just speak the word. And the word of God, the Bible says, and out of the mouth of Jesus, His word is like fire. So when, and, and, and it, it lightens up or ignites or set on fire the cedars of Lebanon. So we can come and when we speak, it is exactly the same as if God speaks. For as He is, so are we in this world, and we have received the Holy Spirit on human flesh, giving our human flesh the ability to function as God is for this time. Now, this is like a down payment. This is the proof. This is, listen, man, you see the supernatural ability to speak and people get healed, to to lay my hands and people get healed. That is the sign of the return of the Lord, that when He returns, this body will be like that all the time. All the time. Full of, just the full being of God. You know, I, I, I want to testify about this. You know, sometimes I would get up on a pulpit and I would preach on the stage, and I would get up there and I'll be so sick, I'll have so much pain, um, or something like that. And, and as I start to preach, and I experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I don't experience any sickness. I don't experience any pain. As long as what I preach there, you know, I feel and am 100% healed. Because that is the ability of God. And then when I stop sometimes, I feel, oh yeah, I feel sick again. Or sometimes even worse. But, and that is not a mind thing. I believe it's the anointing of God, the ability of God that comes upon human flesh. And that we can tap into that and, and minister that and preach out of that. So I want to say to you that that supernatural ability is upon man, so that we, whenever we want, can manifest and walk in that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to say to you that in the name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, there is healing for you today. You don't have to be afraid of cancer. Oh, hallelujah. I just feel the Lord says that He heals cancer. Amen. He heals cancer. He delivers people from cancer. I don't know who's watching, from where, but if you've got cancer and you experience the symptoms of cancer in your body, I've got good news for you, and that is that through the stripes of Jesus Christ, you have already been healed, and that you don't have to wait for the return of the Lord in order to have your full manifestation of healing, but right now, God has enabled me to pray for you, to speak that word towards you, that you can receive your healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, my God. You're such a good and awesome God, willing to heal people. Hallelujah. I would like to just stretch forth my hands and pray for you. Now, when, when, I want you to, right there where you are to close your eyes. I'm going to stretch forth my hand and, and in your mind, in the spur of your mind, just be conscious of the presence of God around you. Start to focus just on God loving you, God caring for you and God healing you. Right now. You know, it's simple. Just close your eyes and be conscious saying in your mind, God, you are here with me. And this is not just, um, you know, some people change this and they use that same principle which God has applied and they use human effort and human power to manifest um, healing and those type of things. We, and so many times we think, well, 
you know, we are just using meditation and those type of things. That is God that first did that. And the, the other guys stole that from Christianity and stole that from God's way of doing. And they started to apply that without the blood of Jesus, without what God has done for us. And now many Christians think that that is wicked. You know, we're not supposed to do that. I want to tell you, you can close your eyes, ponder upon the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, His healing glory that rests upon you, how sickness leaves you, because that is the truth. That is how it is. Other people do that and they receive their healing by willpower and meditation, but we receive that through the truth because we are meditating upon the truth. Now let's do that. I would like you just to see Jesus, you know, His presence around you, tongues as of fire, the presence of God, the healing power of God right around you. And I come right now and I lay my hands upon you right now. And, and the Bible says that out of the hand of God comes lightning like shafts of fire and therein is the hiding place of His power. So when we lay our hands upon you, it's like lightning like shafts of fire, meaning it's like lightning coming into you and healing you from that sickness, burning away all the sickness that's in your body. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I bring you complete healing right now. And I heal you. I heal every cancer cell. In the mighty name of Jesus. In that person that's got cancer. I say you are healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I heal every muscle pain, knee problems, back problems, ankle problems, joints, arthritis, whatever sickness there is, I bring healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Oh, hallelujah. Now, sometimes when you experience the healing power of God, you experience like a warmth, sometimes like something cold, cold water or something flowing through your body and I believe that is just the presence of God bringing you healing right now in Jesus mighty name hallelujah thank you my father thank you my father I, I thank you for that awesome awesome miracles that are taking place I just in my heart experience that people are being healed now of pain and 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 and, and uh, Yes, I just joint pains and stuff. I just see people being healed right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that is awesome. If you've been touched, it would be encouraging just to hear from you. Um, you know, uh, so many times people say, Oh, Beth, you know, you want to just hear, or people think that you want to hear just uh, testimonies to build your own self-worth. Man, I don't have to hear any testimony. But I know that there are people that are blessed when they read the testimonies. So, um, if you want to testify, you can do that. Um, you, if you don't want to, that's fine. But it would, it would be good to hear your testimony. But just know this one thing. God loves you and He has brought healing to you. Amen. Rest your mind in the integrity of God and His love for you. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, we're going to speak a little bit about the prophetic. Um, you know, when it is a new year, so many times... 
you know, we are in such a, how can I say, wrong, we've got a wrong perspective about prophetic. And I've seen that in the church, and I always wanted to minister on that and on the gifts. And, but so many times when I wanted to minister on the gifts, I, I didn't know what to say exactly, because I couldn't see the fullness of the good news in that. Because through so many years, there's been placed such an emphasis on miracles by the charismatic church and the Pentecostal church and through that we, we did find our identity and our place to stand in this earth. I remember when I was just starting out in Bible school and we had signs of wonders and miracles, I identified myself as a, a miracle worker. You know, I saw myself as a healer. That's what I saw myself and I, I knew that that was something I could do that others cannot do and I found my identity in that. And um, we find that all over the world, you know, where preachers go and people that's got that gift feel a little bit superior to others and where they, even if they don't feel superior to others, they feel that that is who they are. Where the, the, the miracle power that's in your life, that's not who you are. That's just something that God does in you. <clears throat> and so many times we think, well, I heal people. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, we bring the healing to people. And in the name of Jesus... I heal you. Yes, that is right. That's exactly what the Bible teaches us. But we must know this, that, that all of that glory goes to Jesus. It is by His name that people are healed. You know, it's like Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise and be healed. So what he said is, what, what I have I give unto you because I want to do it now. But it's in the name of Jesus and He was healed by the name of Jesus, not by me. And we must know that. And uh, so many times when it comes to supernatural, uh, I, I, I felt like that. And then when I got into grace, I would still pray for the sick and see signs, wonders, miracles. And when I see a sick person, I experience, man, God can heal this person. God can do a miracle for this person. Uh, even in this holiday, I prayed for a lady that had a problem with her ear, a young girl. And um, she had a lot of pain, couldn't touch her ear. Prayed for her and God healed her. It was nice to see, you know, that God healed her. I mean, yes, she's on holiday. She can't swim. It, it's difficult for her, you know. But now God healed her. And within minutes, she was healed of, it, it could have been an ear infection or whatever it was, you know, and God touched her and healed her. So, it's wonderful to walk in that power of God. It's the manifestation of the, of the kingdom to come. It is encouraging to people. But because of a wrong, uh, the wrong use of that, I was actually a bit quiet about that, except for healing. When you go onto my website, you will find um, I've got a teaching on healing there. But when it came to the prophetic and those type of things, I didn't know what to say about that. And um, I made a study on the prophetic, and I thought it good to, um, to preach on this for the new year. Because people might say, you know, what's going to happen in this new year? Is Jesus coming back? Is the Antichrist going to manifest? There's so many things that's in the lives of people when it comes to the, um, to the prophetic. But I want to say to you, and I'm sure you can testify of this, that as you started to indulge into the message of grace, fear for the Antichrist and fear for the beast and fear for the book of Revelations and those type of things has just passed away. It's not there anymore. And one thing you must know for sure, the book of Revelations is, or the revelation, it's not revelations, it's the book of Revelation, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, that book is there to reveal to you Jesus and what is done on the cross for us and the effect of what is done for the future. 
talking about the new Jerusalem that's from above and all those type of things. So that's what it talks about. And when the Bible speaks about the prophetic, um, most of the time in the Bible, when it speaks prophetically, when Paul speaks prophetically, when Peter speaks prophetically, when John speaks prophetically, it talks about the return of Jesus Christ. That's what it talks about. And it talks about the explanation and it explains the Old Testament prophets. That's what it is about. Now, we're going to read from Revelation chapter 10, of chapter 19, verse 10. Now, you don't have to open there. You can just jot that down. I said to Eliana today, you know, um, uh, we will have to start to get the scriptures on the screen and see if we can do that and how we can do that. Well, anyway, we go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Now, I've typed out most of the scriptures here so that we can go through this quickly. It says here, And I fell at his feet to worship him. Now, this is an angel that appeared to John in this revelation of Jesus Christ. And John fell down to worship him, and he said unto me, See that thou do it not. I am your servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. So, what he said here, this, this angel said, Listen, don't worship me. I am a, your servant and the servant of those who have the testimony of of Jesus Christ. It says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, let me explain that to you. If I come to you and I come with an angry spirit or a spirit of bitterness, whatever I say has got the flavor of that bitterness. So what he says here is the testimony of Jesus or the word of Jesus Christ. The testimony of what he's done for us is the spirit or the heart or the core of prophecy. So the prophetic is not about, um, you know, when are you going to receive a car? Or let me put it this way, it's not only about that. It can also be included in that. Um, it's not just about that. It's the revelation of Jesus so that's why the book of Revelations is, is, is called a prophecy. And, and, I, and I like that. Um, let's just go there. It, you know, so many times, and most people believe that the book of Revelation is a prophecy. And I believe that, that this is a prophecy. The whole book is a prophecy. And, and the prophecy that is in the book of Revelation is really what the prophetic is all about. Most of the book of Revelation explains what has happened upon the cross of Jesus Christ and in what is done on the earth. And then you will also find it speaks about the prophetic, the return of the Lord. And you know there's a place in the book of Revelation when you studied when you must know that this is history and this is what is to come but it all pertains to Jesus Christ for it says here that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, you'll find the book of Revelation, most of these things, when it says, come to a higher place, it's actually talking, calling people into the, the message of God's grace. Don't stay in the law system. Don't stay outside. Come into the heart of God, the grace of God. You know, when it, when it talks about um, the persecution of the church and all those things, it talks about what happened just after the cross of Jesus Christ and what will happen then. It's, it's prophetically. So, it explains what happened upon the cross. All the judgments and all those things speaks of what happened with Jesus upon the cross um, and then it's got something in the future as well so whenever there is a prophecy I, I don't think that we should think about weird things 
you know, the prophetic is also not there to manifest things. There's nowhere uh, is, is it seen that the prophets must manifest things. I remember years ago, um, you know, we tried to give birth to things. Now, I say this and I feel ashamed about this, um, you know, and I've, I've seen people do that, is we believe that we're the prophets and now we're going to give birth to a church. You know, and, and I found people doing weird things, lying on the ground in prophetic action, giving birth to a church. Man, those type of things is, is not needed in the body of Christ. It is not what the prophetic is all about. The prophetic is all about explaining um, Jesus Christ. Now you must have asked, how does that work? Now let's go into the third definition of the word uh, uh, prophet. The word prophet. What is a prophet? It is, in the Greek writings, it's an interpreter of oracles or of the hidden things. Now we know that Jesus Christ and His whole, and, and whatever He's done is, was hidden. The Bible says the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations is now revealed. So it's manifested. And the people through which this mystery was now revealed, which is Christ inside you, and the context there is also inside the Gentiles, um, which is the expectation, speaking about the future, of the glorification or the salvation of our physical bodies. So, that mystery which is Christ in you has now been revealed. The mystery that Christ can come and indwell you, the Holy Spirit can come upon you and be inside you, um, you know, through faith when you believe the message of the gospel that was hidden is now revealed. That came through prophets and the apostles. And God revealed it to the prophets. And they, they, they were people. The prophets of those times were people that studied the prophetic. They studied the, 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 they loved the prophetic. They loved the prophets. They loved all those things. And they were in prophetic schools. They came together and, and they would study the Old Testament prophets. They would study, what does the Psalms say? What did Elijah say? What did Isaiah say? What did Jeremiah say? What did Ezekiel say? And they, when is the time when these things should happen? And, and they were studying all of those things. And then Jesus came, and then through guys like Paul and other prophets, was uh, these things were revealed. Hey man, you know, here Isaiah said this, and it's revealed. And then they would came, and these prophets, which were studying the prophetic all the time, saw the revelation of Christ and preached that to people. Now that's the New Testament prophet. In the Old Testament you couldn't find that. They couldn't preach the revelation of Christ. They could just speak the, the future. That's all that the prophets could do in the Old Testament concerning the prophetic. They could only speak the future. But the New Testament prophet has got something added which is something much better. Um, which is revealing the, the, the fulfillment of prophecy in the Old and then taking that which they, which they have seen and which they have learned and then applying that to the future which all the time in the Bible, uh, basically, you know, there's one of two prophecies where it says the man of, which was encouraging prophecies, warning prophecies, like the, like the prophet came and he took, the, I think, the belt of Paul and tied himself and said the owner of this will be bound like this in jail. You know, and that was already a confirmation of what Paul has already known, um, you know, which God has already spoken to him. And then there was a prophetic word that said um, in Acts that the church in a certain place is going to be very poor and then they could get stuff together and then sponsor the church in that area. So these prophetic words like that as well. But they were few and far apart in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament. It's not to say that because they were few that we say it cannot happen. 
I can by, by a prophetic word, and I, I mean, I like to do that, because I feel that gifting rests upon me many times when I preach the gospel. When I see somebody, there's a word of knowledge, you know, to know something about that person that they have not told me. Um, then there's a word of wisdom, giving people the correct action on how to solve that problem. And then the future on what's going to happen to you in the, in the nearby future or in, within a couple of years. Yes, that is there and is so, so encouraging. But I don't believe that is the main purpose of the prophet. And so many times we thought that that is the only thing the prophet does. The prophet is the one that knows the hidden things in your life. Now, I don't think that is what God's vision is. God's vision is not to open up your history all the time. That's not God's vision. God's vision is to encourage you with the return of the Lord and with what Jesus Christ is going to do. And if you look at the writings of Paul, you see the prophetic part is always the return of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let's go on. It says here, in the Greek writings, it's an interpreter of oracles. So, it's an interpreter of oracles or writings or sayings. And the oracles of God has been written down. That's what the Bible also said in Hebrews. The oracles of God is this scriptures, to interpret these scriptures into grace. I believe that is the first and biggest, uh, um, biggest thing of the prophet in the, in the New Testament. It says, one who moved by the Spirit of God, and hence his, uh, hence is a spokesman, solemnly declares to men what he has received by inspiration. Now, that, that can be um, prophetic things that you've received by inspiration, but it's the same with people that love the Old Testament prophets, and they study it, and then by inspiration they see new things on how Christ has already fulfilled it, and they declare that as well. Especially, now this is what it says, it doesn't only speak of the future, but it, sp- it especially speaks of the future, future events, and in particular such as relate to the cause and kingdom of God, and to human salvation. Now that's what Thai says. So a prophet is somebody that can take the Old Testament scriptures and then declare the future. Now we know that nothing else can be declared than what has already been declared in this book, which is the return of the Lord and how the return of the Lord will work. When it comes to the future, then we have future events and the gift, gifts of prophecy concerning people's lives and how that can happen. But I don't believe that the that when Paul spoke about, I wish that all of you could prophesy, that his wish and his desire was that everybody can tell everybody what's going to happen next week. Because if everybody tells me what's going to happen within the next year, every minute of every day, you know, how is that now going to really encourage me? You know, people go to uh, fortune tellers and they also tell people the future. And I tell you now, we can as Christians try to deny that, man, but those people, they are right. Many of them are correct. And many of them are wrong, but many of them are correct as well. Like in church, you'll find many prophets, they come and they prophesy, it's not true, but some of them uh, prophesy the truth as well. And yes, you're going to have two children, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. And uh, You know, so, I, I mean, for me, I, I received the prophetic word, you know, that I'll have so many children and um, they will all be the same, and, you know, boys or girls, whatever they would be, and I, I believe it was boys, and I've got three boys today. When I heard that, that was encouraging to me, but let me tell you something, it was not a millionth or a billionth as encouraging as if somebody could come, a prophet could come, and reveal the Old Testament prophets into the New, and how that applies to my life concerning the message of grace. 
and then prophesy the future unto me and say to me, you know, Bafti, you know that, and, 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 and to give you a good prophetic word um, out of the scriptures is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And through faith and patience, you can enter in and be part of the promise that He has given. And in His return, you, all of us will not even die. That's a prophetic word. All of us will not even die. In the, in the day Jesus returns, but we will be changed, and those that have died, they will be resurrected. Now, for the people who wrote that the first time, they walked in the prophetic. They walked in the office of a prophet. They prophesied and it happened. They, they prophesied that, and how did they receive that? They didn't know that. Paul said, Paul said clearly, he said, I want to speak a mystery unto you. All are not going to die. That means that everybody didn't know that. But it was revealed unto Paul, and he spoke about the future, and he said, all will not die in the future. And the reason why did that was, he saw that out of Old Testament scriptures. And we can see that out of the, uh, uh, um, the confession of Jesus Christ, and what he declared, the declaration of Jesus Christ in I think it's John chapter 11 where Lazarus was, uh, was raised and he said, you know, all, he says, if you believe and continue to believe, you will not die. Do you believe that? And uh, that was a mystery. I mean, they didn't understand that. But later on, even Paul didn't know Jesus in the physical then. Jesus Christ revealed that to him. It was a past thing that was revealed to him, speaking of the future. And that's how he stood in that office and prophesied. So, the prophet is not just somebody who um, comes and tells you this is going to happen next week and that's going to happen next week. Yes, that is encouraging when you're in a difficult situation. Um, you know, and can bring some rest to your mind. But there's something that can produce more rest. And that's a revelation of what God has done for you and a resting of the mind in the integrity of God. And I believe that the New Testament prophet has got um, much more of a responsibility towards that than towards just prophesying the future. Now, we must realize, the, prophet, the, the, the prophets that we see in the Bible, um, I mean, they have basically already laid out everything that is needed for us to know concerning the future, concerning doctrine. So, I believe that the, 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 the New Testament prophet still exists. It's not that many people believe that the apostle and the prophet has passed away. But all that we have now, there's doctrines that believe that, that says, um, you know, that the evangelist, pastor and teacher, they still remain. And that God revealed these things and, uh, um, to the apostles and the prophets, but they're not there. Then there's some people that teach that the apostle doesn't, is, has passed away, but the prophet is still there, the evangelist, pastor and teacher. Now, I believe that all five still exist today. Because that's the gift that Jesus Christ gave. But the role and what they do has changed a bit. Because when the Old Testament prophet or the New Testament prophets prophesied, they prophesied the events to come. One of the great prophecies, like I said, was Revelation. Then you can see prophetic words in the lives of Peter and Paul, and how they prophesied and, and what they what they prophesied. But those prophecies, we cannot change that anymore, and we can't have higher revelation of prophecy than that which was written down. So I believe that. Uh, um, the New Testament prophet is there to repeat the prophecies that was prophesied concerning the future. You can't all of a sudden come when, when Paul prophesied and said, listen, you know, Jesus Christ is going to return. That's what we're supposed to expect. All of a sudden come and be now a prophet of um, the Antichrist. 
You know, now we prophesy the Antichrist and what the Antichrist is going to do. And, and we just hammer that thing and we call dates and times and seasons which never becomes true and then just write another book. That is not what God has got for the body of Christ and that is not the office of the prophet. That's not the office of the prophet. You know, um, and I want to just encourage you, you know, to know that, yes, there's, an, there's a prophetic word, but we must make sure... And know that if you feel the gifting of a prophet upon you, know that it is number one towards the explaining the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Because that's what it says. Now listen to this, I want to read again. One who moved by the Spirit and hence is a spokesman solemnly declared to men what he has received by inspiration. And this is especially concerning the future events. So... If you, a, a prophet, if, if there's a word in the mouth of a prophet, it must be towards the future events. You'll find a prophet loves the future and revealing those things. So, when you go to the teaching of a prophet, I believe, and this is just my opinion about this, and, and I believe it's from the Holy Spirit, um, he must speak about the return of Jesus Christ. You know, when Christ has got a return, when Christ returns, we will have new bodies. You know, this planet will be made new. All those type of things. And then, He will be encouraging you to, through faith and patience, wait for that to come. That is the biggest prophecy that you can ever prophesy, is the return of the Lord Jesus. You know, John was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And he said, make a way for Christ, for He is coming now. He's not, you, you know, Ezekiel. And Elijah and Elisha weren't greater prophets. The greatest prophet of the Old Testament was John the Baptist. He didn't have one miracle, one sign or one wonder. In his ministry one thing happened and that was, which we can call a supernatural, is the heavens opened and people heard a voice. And that voice was speaking to Jesus actually. Saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that was it. And he prophesied about Jesus. So I believe the New Testament prophet is there to prophesy about Jesus and what Jesus has done, that's teaching part of prophecy, and then to encourage the body of Christ in that, and then to say how that applies to the future. That's the main thing. Then we can also have, you know, uh, words of uh, edification, exhortation, comfort. We're going to get to that right now. Okay, so um, it says here that it is somebody who is inspired especially to speak concerning the future events. What, what do they speak? They speak stuff that has been hidden, that's revealed now. It says, and in particular, now listen, and in particular such as relate to the course of the kingdom of God. So, it is prophetic words concerning the kingdom of God. So, the prophet's work isn't number one to prophesy over your life and say, this is going to happen tomorrow and that's going to happen tomorrow. That is also included. But it is especially to prophesy future things concerning the kingdom of God that is related to the hidden things. Now, the context of the, the old times was hidden things was Christ hidden in the Old Testament prophets. It says, and human salvation. So, the prophet was there to teach about human salvation and to prophesy on how human salvation will work. Now, what is human salvation? It's the salvation of our bodies. That's the whole, only thing that must still be saved. Our minds are being saved, you know, or being, let me put it, renewed. Our spirits are already saved. And our bodies will be saved, according to Romans chapter 8, which is not saved, because if we've got that expectation, if it has already happened, why do we have a hope? Okay? 
if, because if something has happened, we don't have hope anymore. Now, I don't want to get into that. Um, just for those of you that are, that are quick in the mind, you can grab a hold of that. Right. Uh, uh, Acts 15.32. Now, listen to this. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed the epistle that was written. So, or a letter that was written. So, here people came, and let me give you a bit of background here. Um, Paul went and he preached, or people went and they preached amongst the Gentiles. And in the Jewish people that believed in these little towns that was surrounded Jerusalem and in, 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 in all of the, um, wherever the gospel was preached, there was Jews also living there. And they made a claim and say, well, this gospel is actually our gospel. So you Gentiles that come to faith, you must now start to, you, you must be circumcised and follow all the customs of Moses. Then that message came to the apostles that was in Jerusalem and they were like the big shots now and they thought about this and they walked with Christ and then they said, no, no, no. Let's write to them that they should only abstain from uh, uh, animal blood, you know, eating food with the blood still in it, sexual immorality and one or two other things. And they don't have to be circumcised. Then the prophets, now listen to this, then Judas and Silas being prophets also themselves. So this actually speaks that they were also prophets. So this was actually a revelation of Old Testament things towards the Gentiles and then saying, they should not do this in future and they should do this. Speaking prophetically. Then Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed what was spoken in the teaching that came through the letter. So the prophetic words that Judas and Silas had was not, you know, my brother, I just feel the Lord says to me, you know, I see another business. You know, I see this. And I, that was not the prophetic word that, that speaks about there. It was a confirmation that they don't have to be circumcised. That them being prophets, they could do that. Now that is something that I haven't heard being taught, but I want to just tell you that is exactly what, what, the, what the Bible teaches there. You know, so there we can see a practical example of a prophet and what that prophet did. Now there's, there's other examples where, where it's more about events right around that person that is fulfilled and we will not see that. But like I say, and I will repeat myself, and I've repeated myself many times, but I want this to be in your mind. The prophet is there to, to reveal the hidden things of the Old Testament and how it was fulfilled in Christ. And then to reveal the hidden things in the Old Testament and in Christ concerning the future relating to Christ, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the salvation of man, and things that pertains to the kingdom of God. So you can see that, that the prophet, when it comes to just your life and what's going to happen next week, this only, this only makes up a very small part of the job description of a prophet. And when it comes to the end time things, we must make sure that like verse, um, uh, uh, verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says, it says, But he that prophesies speaks unto men edification, exhortation and comfort. And by speaking about the Antichrist and how the world's going to come to the end and how God's going to destroy America because they... Let me tell you something, and, and I'm going to be straightforward now. If the hurricane or whatever you want to call it, if Katrina comes and hits a country, or if a, a, a tsunami comes and hits a country, or a recession comes and, and 
and gets the world into a hard time. And the prophets come and they say, well, I have prophesied five years ago that this thing is now going to come and this is actually a judgment. God is going to judge. Right there, switch the TV off because the guy's not prophesying the word of God. That's not the job of the prophet. That is not what God has, has, has called him to do because that's not edification, exhortation and comfort. That's not it. So, and we can find many people, I mean, you can go onto YouTube and type in prophecy. Go onto YouTube and type in uh, um, mind reading and those type of things. And you will see how people can predict the future in other people's lives. And then they write. So the fact that you write doesn't make it a prophecy of God. A prophecy of God is a prophecy of love because God is love. A prophecy of God is edification, exhortation and comfort. And if you go and look at, at Paul um, and, and the prophet came to him and said to him, Paul, you know, you're going to be bound like this. God already said to him and then they by the Holy Spirit asked him not to go. So it was a prophetic word saying, on this path, this thing is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is telling us not to go, but Paul was stubborn and he still went and it happened to him. So it was an edification, it was exhortation, it was comfort. So, it was never, well, Paul, because of your disobedience, this is how God's going to judge you in Jerusalem. When we prophesy judgment, the only judgment that can be prophesied in the name of Jesus, that is, from God, is the judgment of the end times, which is, in the end times, this is what's going to happen, and then must be in line with what was written already in the Bible. You're going to come with a new, well, God's now first going to judge Russia, and God's going to... Listen, if you are in atheism and you oppress people, you, your kingdom is going to come to an end. That's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's in history proven. If people oppress others, those that are oppressed always comes free. That's just common sense. It's not God's judgment or something like that. It's just the way it works. So, Please, let's not, uh, 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 prophecy is not connected to fear. I remember there was a prophet that came to our church when I was in Bible school, and he's a good guy, you know, and um, I, I was always so scared of the prophet. You know, I mean, his eyes can see right through you. You know, when he looks at you, he sees your history, man, and he sees all your sins. Now, that's not a prophet. Now that was my perspective of the prophet. He never opened up anybody's sin in that church. You know, he was always encouraging people. But I, <coughs> I want to say this to you. You don't have to be afraid of a prophet. Why will God, the, when God appears, he says, do not fear. Now, so why shall, when the prophet appears, thou shalt be afraid, you know. No, no, don't do that. That is not, we don't have to be afraid. For the prophet is there to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1. It says, Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit, the Spirit, by the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So, here he speaks mysteries. He speaks hidden things. He speaks things, I believe, that Christ has done. Things that, that, that is not known to man. He speaks it unto God. But he that prophesies speaks unto men edification, exhortation and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all speak, um, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. 
So Paul says, I rather want people to prophesy. That's what he rather wants. Why? Because prophecy is the edification of the body of Christ. Now, how do you edify the body of Christ? How were people edified? How will they... um, It is edification, exhortation and comfort. Now, how was exhortation? And what was Paul's mindset concerning exhortation when he spoke of it? Let's read it in Acts 15.32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted... So there was exhortation, the brethren with many words, and confirmed the teaching. So I want that you all would prophesy. What it was actually saying, I want you all to have the ability to read the Old Testament prophets and to see the fulfillment of Christ in that and to see how that pertains to the future of the church. And when you speak those things and speak those mysteries, because you must realize, in the time of Paul, people didn't know it all. There was not the New Testament written that people could... It was being written. And Paul would come and, 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 and prophets would stand up and they would prophesy and then Paul would come and he would teach from the Scriptures the fulfillment of it. People stand up and say, well, I believe God says that we are... We, he, he, he makes people righteous. And then Paul would come and he would teach that out of the Bible. So, whoa, that's a confirmation, an exaltation. So, the prophetic relates to the cross, relates to the history of... Of the uh, before the cross, the fulfillment of the cross, and what happened, and what, how it's going to relate to us in future. That's why Paul says, "I want that all prophesy." Amen. Now, I, I wanted to read much more concerning that, but I'm not going to do that. I just want to go into the words edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is a building up in a moral and religious sense, instructing, improvement and progress of the mind in knowledge, in morals, or knowledge in faith and holiness. So, if we come, according to 1 Corinthians, and the prophet speaks edification. Edification means he's speaking something that brings more knowledge to the mind of people of morals. Now, I don't think we should go into the law about it. Um, We can maybe teach one day about that. In faith and in holiness. So, the prophet was the person that could go and take the Old Testament scriptures, see the fulfillment of that, speak to people like Paul said, that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, uh, uh, um, that is the moral part, concerning faith. In other words, the prophet is there to give people more knowledge about faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of God's grace. So what is the work of the prophet when he speaks edification? It is to teach the basic principles in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can have greater faith and be more persuaded about what happened upon the cross and they can more know more about how holy they are. That's the edification part. Now I don't see how if you say, well, God is going to judge the world because of homosexuality, now that gives us more knowledge. Now, you can only thing you can go there is you can say it's towards morals. But um, we must look at the New Testament way in, in, in interpreting morals and standards. That is an outflow of the righteousness of God that's in us. Okay? So, 
it, it just falls out of the bus, the type of prophecy, because it's not edification. How does that give you greater faith? Well, God's going to judge America because they still sin. God's going to judge South Africa because of apartheid. God's going to judge this, this family because of ancestor sins and those type of things. That is not building faith. Faith is a persuasion that comes through knowledge of the facts of what Jesus Christ has done. And holiness. Holiness in the Bible speaks of the mercy. The word holy means to be set apart. To tell people how we've been set apart by the cross and the fact that Jesus obeyed on our behalf. He that prophesies speaks to men edification. Now this is the, um, the, the Webster's definition of edification. It's instruction, improvement of the mind in any... Um, you, in any way and in any useful knowledge. It's improvement of the mind and instruction of the mind. In any useful knowledge. Hallelujah. Exhortation. Now listen to what exhortation is. Remember the first thing speaks about the mind. Okay. The act or practice of exhorting. The act of inciting to good deeds. Incitement to that which is good or commendable. The form of words intended to incite and encourage. Now, incite means to move the mind into action by persuasion, to stir it up or to arouse or to spur it on, to move into action by influence. Another word for influence is the word grace. So, uh, the word exhort means to to, to excite a person's mind so much by the grace of God that it moves him into action. So the work of a prophet is to give people new knowledge and fresh knowledge and uh, th that's wrong said, sorry. It's not new knowledge. It is to give people knowledge of the word of God so that it can bring forth faith that they can have more faith, that they understand more about holiness, that their mind is renewed. Exhortation is, the, the, this act that is so powerfully into the lives of people, that it moves them into action by the grace of God. Comfort means, now all this has got to do with the mind. Exhortation is to uh, incite or to, to excite the mind of a person to the point that it, brings manifestation. Edification was just to get your mind edified. Exhortation is to, to edify it to the point that it manifests in your life. Comfort is to strengthen the mind when depressed and enfeebled. To console, to give new vigor to the spirits. To, to cheer or to relieve from depression or trouble. Now, you can think for yourself what the prophetic is. The prophetic, if we just put this all together, the, the, the work of the prophet is somebody that can take those Old Testament scriptures, all the works of Jesus on the planet, what he did, the writings of Paul, and interpret that and explain to people who they are now. So that, you know, because you are so in love and, and you've got the gifting there are people that just got the gifting to see this is what a prophet, the prophetic said and to interpret it into the message of grace ok 
and then get people to be so encouraged that it starts to manifest in their lives because their minds has been refreshed. Also speaking of the end times, you know, and what will still happen. Now I also believe, and I'm going to, in the last five minutes now, see if we've got five minutes left, we're going to just explain how that works practically in our lives today. I believe the work of a prophet, say somebody comes and he's got, a financial, he's got financial trouble. The correct prophetic word for that person would be to take what has happened in the Old Testament and in the fulfillment of the New, speak that to the person and tell him how to apply the message of grace in his life to get an expected end and a blessed future. That's what it's all about. If somebody goes through financial trouble, you can. the first thing that I will do is I will teach him concerning contentment. Because now I am getting the message into his life for his future. Because he might go bankrupt. He might lose it all. So what we do is we teach him concerning contentment. We teach him concerning the love of God, even if he's lost it all. We teach him concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he will enrich people. We teach him about the grace of God and tell him, listen man, even if you lose it all, it's like the grass. You lose it all, but the grass comes out again tomorrow. So, we start to teach him teachings and doctrines that can encourage him for his future. And then, if God divinely tells him, listen, um, you know, tells you, listen, this and this is going to happen, you can say that. But I don't believe that is the greatest part. Because you can prophesy to a person, say, you know, you're not going to go bankrupt. But that doesn't relieve him, that doesn't encourage him so much as in giving him the revelation of true wealth, true prosperity, through the fulfillment of the work of Jesus Christ, and then the future in what will happen in the return of, of the Lord Jesus. And how he cares for his children in the future. Hallelujah. So I believe that the real work of the New Testament prophet, in conclusion, is simply to say, listen, um, this, uh, this is how the gospel of grace works. This is what Jesus did to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And, and I mean, Paul did a wonderful job about that. But I've realized there's many other Old Testament scriptures which Paul didn't use, which the prophets can still use, but it relates to the fulfillment of the law. It relates to what God has done. And then if you want to prophesy about the future, it, it pertains to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ with a small area where it's about how much money you're going to get, where you're going to work, who you're going to marry and those type of things. Amen. I believe that we've put too a great emphasis on, 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 the, um, <coughs> on this whole thing concerning you know, telling the future and, and all of that. And I want to give a prophetic word for this year to come and then we're going to after that we're going to take communion now this is just I, I've been walking with this in my heart now I'm not going to do the whole prophetic thing now thus saith the Lord but I believe this is what's in my heart and what the Lord has laid upon my heart we will see an escalation or an increase in this year to come um, and towards the, the end and the return of the Lord how more and more people believe the grace of God we will see strong churches standing up in the grace of God. <clears throat> we will see, um, we will go on to television stations and we will see here's a grace person, there's a grace person, there's a grace person. And in this year to come we're going to see more of that. We, we're not going to find television stations flooded with us in this year to come. But we will find people standing up and it's as if 
these grace preachers and people that believe the grace of God will be standing up out of the places where they've been hiding and they will preach this more publicly. More and more people will accept this gospel. But I also believe that, um, that we will find greater persecution against this. And as the gospel of grace will be proclaimed boldly, like on Grace Stream TV and other television stations, and as people start to preach it radically, we will find that those that has already in their hearts decided against grace will start to preach greatly against that. So, um, and this is the word. We will find great peace in the lives of people in this year to come um, towards the gospel of grace and because of the gospel of grace towards God. We will find that. But we will also find uh, more fighting and more persecution to come because of people that will oppose this radically um, as well. So, I, I just believe that that is basically, that's basically it concerning the spreading of the gospel. You'll also find that that people with grace has got great favor. Doors will open up greatly for them to minister this effortlessly uh, in the in 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 the um, in the world. We also find that great, there will be grace preachers that will be set free from the law that they're still under concerning finances, and they will start to preach this radically as well. And there will be a unity concerning this. And I also want to just say this for those of you that are in the grace message: don't think that we are a subculture. Don't think, and I see this future, you know, we're not like these five cockroaches that comes together in the bottom of a cupboard. That's not who we are. We are the righteousness of God. We are the church. And I want to just say to you, and and, and in in this year to come, we're going to find that um, grace people don't see themselves as a separate type of people. We're going to find them seeing, seeing themselves as called to spread this gospel to the world being the people of God in Jesus mighty name oh thank you my father for that hallelujah so if you're if, if you're somebody out there that says man I want to minister the grace of God know this one thing that you are part of, a, of an ever increasing kingdom hallelujah amen thank you Jesus thank you for that now that's the word that I feel we've got for 2009 and that will just be that will just increase um, in the year to come Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to go over to the communion. Now, I'm not going to read the scripture. We know the scripture in Corinthians about this. The body of Jesus Christ. um, And I I want to just say this when it comes to the body of Jesus Christ. Now, Now, you can... I don't want you to stumble over this, but listen to me. Jesus has basically got two bodies. We are, we are called His body. But we are not literally His body. I've got a body, which is the body of Bertie Brits. In the same way, Jesus Christ has got a body in heaven today. But His body, because, because He's got a physical body, I am part of that body because He became human flesh. So, He's got His own body and I am the body of Christ as well um, because I've got a physical body and I relate to His body. And His Spirit dwells in me. Because His Spirit dwells in me, and dwells in Him, in His body today, I I say, I'm also the body of Christ. But we must never think that Jesus doesn't have a physical body anymore. And that this is now the only body Jesus has. Because that is not the truth. That's simply not the truth. 
I just believe that if we are the body of Christ, in other words, if we are the embodiment of the Holy Spirit in this earth today, that's what Paul says. He says, why do you keep up with things that doesn't pertain to the body of Christ? Because we are holy and we are righteous and we are just. So, when we take the bread, and the bre- this bread is broken, we, we say, His body was broken for me, so that the law body was broken forevermore. So that that old body is finished, and I'm part of a new body, and that is His body which is in heaven. But I, I want to say this, and I want to say this clearly to you. Never come to a place where you think, because if we mistake this, um, and think that Jesus doesn't have a physical body anymore, then we will say that Jesus Christ has already returned. And if we say that He has already returned, what we are actually saying is that um, that Jesus Christ, that we that we already have uh, been resurrected from the dead, which means that we've got glorified bodies already, which means that we are already immortal. And that is a lie. That is not the truth. So, make sure that you know that when we relate to His body, we say, yes, His body was broken for me, so that I have now exactly the same body as Jesus. And that is like the plane ticket I bought to fly to the United States in February. It's already paid. I've got the proof for that. The plane ticket is right there on on the computer. I can print it out for you right now. It's there. But you know what? I'm not going to fly to the United States before the 18th of February. Because that's... And I've got the proof of that. I've got the proof of the ticket. The ticket is paid for. I've got the down payment of it. I've got the proof the ticket is here. But I will not fly before the 18th. In the same way, His body was broken for us. And this body that's been broken means that the law man has been destroyed. And we relate to God because through Jesus Christ, because he's got a physical body that stood up out of the dead in immortality. And we have the Holy Spirit as the seal of that because we have believed. All men doesn't have the Holy Spirit, people. We must realize that. And let me just read that to you quickly. And, and, and you know, there's some deception that sometimes come, um, and we think that everybody's got the Holy Spirit. Everybody does not have the Holy Spirit. Um, and everybody out there is not saved. We've just read that. The Bible says that whosoever believes is saved. Amen. The only thing is, and we must know that, um, it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12, it says, uh, let's read from verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things of the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom, listen, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. So who's to the praise of His glory? Those who trust in the Lord. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. So people heard a word of how salvation came towards all people through Jesus Christ. In whom... Also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So everybody doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters into those that hears how salvation comes and then believes it. So, when we believed upon what happened in the body of Jesus Christ, 
we partook of that. And the Holy Spirit came into us. And when the Holy Spirit came into us, He renewed our spirits. We were born inside our very being of God. The Bible says those, uh, all people, all people on this planet, listen to me, are created by God. But all people on this planet doesn't have the nature of God. Because the Bible says to those that believe upon His name, to those that grab a hold of the message of grace, who believed upon it because of this message of love that came towards them, that's got this resonance inside their hearts. He says to those He gave, that believe, He gave the right to be called the children of God. Actually, let me put another word. To those who believed upon His name, He gave the right to say, you are already now the righteousness of God. So when we partake of His body, we say, His body was broken for me so that I could say the law body is broken and I relate to God through the message of grace I'm part of his body when I eat this I say I relate 100% to the body of Jesus I already have the Holy Spirit the payment for my renewed body has already been done it's finished I'm part of his body because because he became a human being I, I partake of his body and that's why I call myself the embodiment of the anointing for his Holy Spirit indwells me and I partake of that and I've got the ability to say that I am righteous because of the body of Jesus and when I eat this I, this becomes part of every fiber of my being this gives me strength hallelujah isn't that awesome and we partake of this so I want you to take the bread that you've got those of you that saw this standing before the time um, uh, 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 and we said that there will be communion so take the bread break it and we're going to eat together if you watch this in the archive it doesn't matter if you want to do it later today you can do it as well his body was broken for you and I'm breaking this over and over for everybody just you must know that his body was broken for you amen his body was broken we're going to go a little bit over the time His body was broken for you. So I want you to take this and eat in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your body that was broken, Lord. Thank you that we can relate to a law body that's broken and we're part of a grace body with the effect of glorification coming we've got the ticket the Holy Spirit and we are the healed in Jesus mighty name hallelujah hallelujah amen in the same way Jesus Christ took the cup and he thanked God and I thank you Father for the blood of Jesus Christ and this is the cup of the New Testament saying that our sins has been washed away oh yeah before I forget my wife Helena come In the same way, he took the cup and when he, um, when he thanked God, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. It's the New Testament in my blood. So, the blood of Jesus Christ flowed for us for the forgiveness of sins. So, your sins are forgiven. Righteousness is yours in Jesus' mighty name. So, when you drink this, what is in your mind? My, my, my sins have been forgiven. This the, the blood of Jesus flowed. His life flowed out of Him. The law man's life flowed out of Him. 
which was sinless. It paid for my sins. And in the veins of Jesus Christ today is the glory of God and absolute holiness forevermore. And we relate to that. Let's drink. Father, I want to thank you that you relate to people through the blood and the body of Jesus. Thank you for the prophetic that can be encouraging concerning the gospel of grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I want to thank everybody that has watched. We're going to play out with a song. Enjoy the song. If this has touched you, um, please let us know about this. If you've got any questions about this, would like to add anything, please email us at live at dynamicministries.com. Just know one thing for sure, and that God loves you unconditionally, and that He will always bless you. Enjoy your day. Oh, okay. Well, there's a problem there. He doesn't want to put in the song, so we're going to look at that. But anyway, God bless you, and God loves you.